Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hello and welcome. My name is Rodrigo Perez, the editor-in-chief of ThePlaylist.net, and in this episode of Bingeworthy, I am discussing the new Apple TV Plus series, Echo 3, from Mark Bowl, the writer of Catherine Bigelow's The Hurt Locker, Zero Dark Thirty, and Detroit, uh, the Academy Award-winning uh, screenwriter of The Hurt Locker, and nominated for some of these other films, and Catherine Bigelow's longtime screenwriting partner who worked on, you know, his, her last three films. Bowl uh, breaks out on his own for Echo 3, this Apple TV series. It's an action-packed thriller set in South America that follows Amber Chessborough, played by Jessica Ann Collins, a brilliant young scientist who is the emotional heart of a small American family that also has ties to a larger, more connected, and well-to-do military family. When Amber goes missing along the Colombian-Venezuelan border, her brother Bambi, played by Luke Evans, and her husband Prince, played by Mikhail Hoosman, two men with deep military experience and complicated paths, struggle to find her in a layered personal drama set against the explosive backdrop of a secret war. Think kidnapping drama, Family drama meets political thriller in the middle of South America with all of the political espionage trappings of, you know, Americans going into Latin America and pounding around and, you know, pissing people off. Um, think about all the political uh, implications of that. And that's your series. That's basically Echo 3. Uh, Echo 3 also stars Martina Guzman as Violetta, a prominent political columnist. The series features also James Udon, Maria del Rosario, Alejandro Firth, Juan Pablo Raba, and special guest stars Bradley Whitford. To break it down a little bit simpler, Jessica Ann Collins is married to Mikhail Hoosman. Her brother is Luke Evans. They are essentially, there's a whole class divide in the, in the show as well. They come from a uh, you know, small Southern family. Um, Akil Hoosman's family, who's Bradley Whitford plays his dad, 
um, they're a well-connected, well-to-do military family, and this is essentially a military, uh, you know, family she's married into, even though they are military themselves, although from uh, much more uh, humble roots. Echo 3 is based on the award-winning series When Heroes Fly, created by Omri Given and inspired by the eponymous novel by Amir Gutfreund. It's a 10-episode action thriller, again created by Academy Award winner Mark Boll. Echo 3 is produced by Apple TV and by Keshet Studios. It's filmed in Colombia, and there's a lot of great directors on board as well. Argentinian filmmaker Pablo Trapero, known for The White Elephant and The Clan, directs some of the uh, early episodes. Peruvian filmmaker Claudia Losa, known for the Academy Award-nominated film The Milk of Sorrow and Aloft, is also a filmmaker on her. She directs some of the real thrilling action pieces in episodes three and four. And Bowl is a director on the series as well, a writer and director. And it's, you know, it's action-packed. You know, one of the things that Bowl talked about and I talked about is, uh, among other things, is his sort of fascination with Latin America. He wrote the movie, or at least the original version of Triple Frontier, which you might remember of uh, on Netflix. It's a, another sort of like political action thriller in the middle of Latin America with a, a lot of that, again, American Latin political intrigue and stuff. And, you know, even though he was pretty adamant that he disavowed the version that came to the screen and, you know, that was something him and Catherine Bigelow were going to do once in a blue moon a million years ago. And then eventually, you know, eventually it was made by J.C. Chandor. But, you know, he, you know, as much as he had disavowed it, he said that, yeah, he's very fascinated by Latin America and Latin American uh, political thrillers. So that's very much a, a, an element of this series. We talked about his work with uh, Catherine Bigelow, why he didn't work with her in this series. Sounds like they've gone their own ways for now. We also talked about his Showtime series he wrote called Intelligence, which was about the 2016 election. And while that doesn't seem like it's happening, he did admit something that I had heard that he had met with Christopher Steele, you know, the guy who wrote the original Trump dossier. He also met with a lot of people. But, you know, that's a series that's not happening, but he hopes it comes around one day. So, you know, it was a pretty fascinating conversation with Bowl, who was... I would say maybe a little bit taciturn at first, but uh, I think I, he warmed up to me and, uh, uh, you know, maybe got over a little bit of his skepticism and uh, uh, we had a good conversation about this series. So yeah, let's uh, dive into this interview soon. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to remind our listeners that Bingeworthy is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes the regular Playlist Podcast, Yellowstoners, The Rogue Ones, Deep Focus, The Fourth Wall, The Discourse, and more. We can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and most places where podcasts are found, wherever you listen to yours. You can stream the podcast via the embed within the article or click on the lead image at the top of the page and you can listen to it on our website. You can listen to it wherever you want, but hopefully you do and hopefully you share it. You know, be sure to subscribe and drop us a comment or a rating as we generally appreciate it. Um, and yeah, we, we always appreciate our listeners. We appreciate our patrons of the, of the playlist, not patron, but you know, our regular listeners and, and patrons and, and we appreciate you coming to the site and we hope you're enjoying this stuff. So uh, thank you for listening. Um, Mike's not on this episode with me. I'm going solo, but this is me and Mark Bowl for about 20 minutes talking about all things Echo 3 and parts of his career. So hope you enjoy. I hope you check it out. I hope you check out the series. It's pretty intriguing. Um, five episodes uh, were given to press. There's 10 in total. 
You can read our review on theplaylist.net now. Hope you enjoy this conversation. Talk to you guys soon. And how you doing, Mark? I'm good. How are you? Good. Um, tell me about uh, um, the genesis of this show. I know that it's based off of a, a book and a series, but I'm, I'm assuming that must have changed when you brought your own thing to it. Tell me just the, the genesis of this coming together. I think I said in the press notes that I was that I, I kind of started this whole thing with um, an interest in Latin America and setting a story there, and um, and then from there kind of took off to wondering about U.S., Colombia, and Venezuela and their relationship to each other, and then from there it was about a kidnapping and how to build a kind of really human story inside of a an intense thriller. Latin America has obviously been of interest for you you uh wrote uh, triple frontier which is you know covers some of that stuff i'm sure i know that the final version of that movie is maybe not you know it would probably changed but what is what is with your fascination there definitely changed i was just telling somebody at lunch today i wrote triple i wrote the first draft of triple frontier in i think it was like 2009 or 10 i don't even remember the movie came out like nine years after that so i and I, I, I didn't have anything to do with the project for the last seven or eight years of its life. And I, I had not seen the script or the any of it until it was like all over. So that's really JC's piece, JC Chandler's piece, for good or bad. Um, but yeah, I, I, the impetus for that was, was, all, was you're, you're right, the impetus for that was I was on a trip in, um, in Argentina. I was actually at a film festival in Argentina and I was having coffee with a local filmmaker who started telling me about this this tri-border area and then I went up to take a look at it and I've always been fascinated with Latin America and uh, I don't know uh, you know I had not spent a lot of time in the region prior to this but one of the great perks of my of my line of work is that I is that I it does I, I do get to go to places that I'm interested interested in as long as I make something there. That's kind of the devil's bargain. So we ended up shooting in Colombia for nearly a year. I moved down there and made this show. How how much did it transform from? I, I'm assuming I could be wrong, but I'm assuming like you took a skeletal idea and then did your kind of own thing with it from the book and and the because I'm I, you know as a as a journalist I'm sure you like to make your own discoveries rather than take you just you know cues from a book or a, a previously existing show yeah i don't really think of it as an adapt it's not an adaptation it's its own piece and you're right as a, as a i'd like to try to imagine what would really happen and then and then write from there or research what would really happen call people who know the answer to that question and then go from there in terms of in terms of like writing or even directing same thing yeah i was gonna say about that i mean you direct for the first time in this and and, and tell me like I don't know, you know, you're so you're so your career is so wedded to Catherine Bigelow so far and up until this point. Um, had there been any uh, conversations about her with or did you just take this one on your own? I'm, I'm always fascinated about your, your guys constant working relationship. Yeah, I mean, we had a good thing, but this one was really the idea was to bring in Latin American directors. Yeah, there's some good ones in this for sure. And so the collaboration was with Pablo Trapero and Claudia Loso. And um, there was no way I could see going down to Colombia, you know, without some regional representation in, in the core of the creative group. I mean, because Pablo, as you know, is from Argentina and Claudia. Yeah, she's from, she's from Peru. I'm from, I'm, I'm Chilean. Um, Claudia's uh, Peru, Peruvian, I believe. Oh, you're yeah. Chilean. Oh, wow. That's like yeah. one of my favorite countries in the whole world. So such a, such a sweet yeah, place. Yeah. Um, great spirit. Um, 
But yeah, tell me about working with them. And it's you, what you're also pointing to is what I think is uh, is is a, a, a great thing in this in this uh, film, which maybe you could argue is somewhat missing in in something like the version of Triple Frontier without you. But there's the sort of the moral and ethical implications of like, you know, Americans entering South America. Yeah, which is something I was I was always had in the back of my head is 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 how to keep a feeling for the political reality of US imperialism in 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 the long the long history of US imperialism yeah. In, yeah. in in South America and um and all of the um you know the long the long ripple effects that that's had and um you know you can't it's it's not a history lesson and it's not a documentary it's a fictional kind of high octane character driven thriller but but the hope was to not have it be not have it live inside of a world that where politics doesn't exist at all and not have it be, um, you know, try to avoid being dopey was the idea. And and as the season gets, as you get deeper into the season, some of the geopolitical themes become more pronounced. Right. Yeah. One of the things that uh, in the later parts is, you know, uh, uh, Prince, uh, uh Michael Huseman's character is, is basically back in the U.S. and and seems to be joining some like think tanks and stuff like that. It seems to be really changing his sort of perspective of where he was at the beginning. Yeah, he changes. Uh, Bambi changes. Amber changes. There are a couple points in the series where the characters really evolve. Can you tell me about the relationship between those three characters, the triangle of you know Amber, Bambi, and, and Prince, which. First of all, I love the names of, you know, whether it's their nicknames or or, or not, you know, Bambi and Prince theme seem like interesting thematic titles for, for both of them. And and then just the sort of like, you know, you could set this wherever and it the that that triangle of drama between the three of them is always gonna exist no matter where you threw them, right? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I um I'm glad you like the nicknames or the names. I always wondered how they sound to somebody else. But I just thought like for some reason a really I like the idea of a really strong, lethal, special ops, elite soldier, snake eater operator being called Bambi. And it is a triangle. It, it, it's a triangle in the sense that Prince and Bambi have a complicated relationship and then they each have a relationship with Amber as well. It's not like a, it's not, it's a family triangle. It's not a, um, it's not what you normally mean by a love triangle, but it's a family triangle. And she's kind of the, she's kind of this, character that has a lot of layers to her and secrets and so as the men in the family are trying to extricate her from her captivity she's also revealing to the audience and to them that she's not who she might seem to be right brotherhood and and, and secrets and betrayal seem to yeah like i would say those are two of the big themes i just wanted to go back a little bit if you can tell me a little bit about you know working with with pablo and, and claudia and what they brought to it and what they might illuminate for you as a storyteller and as a first-time director in this well i don't want to i would never want to put either of them in the box of being lat lat am filmmakers but they obviously brought both of them brought uh fluency in spanish and fluency in you know or at least more cultural fluency than i would could possibly ever have in any number of of dynamics inside of Colombian society, even though they're not, they're not Colombian per se. So I learned a lot from them 
about all of that. And then, of course, they're both very distinctive and serious, legitimately accomplished filmmakers. Neither of them are TV directors. Neither of them had actually done television before. Right. So we, the, the collaboration was very much a, a familiar one to me as a, as a writer and a producer to work with a film director. I've done that quite a lot. And so we all, I think, were on the same page about how do we make this thing as cinematic as we can. That's the broad gist of it. Does streaming, like, you know, bring that kind of like, uh, you know, I, if you would have done this five, six years ago, I was assuming it would have been a movie, right? Or or however many years ago, uh, that was... Yeah, I think so. That was the landscape back then. And, and I feel like this probably affords the opportunity to go longer and deeper that I feel like filmmakers yeah. like you seem to really relish. Right? Well, I think that you shrink the screen, which is a bit of, um, you know, which is a... That goes in the con column, right, right. but but the pro column involves you get more time, and with time comes the potential for or the possibility for depth and complexity. So that's the trade-off, and um, you know the whole industry, the whole entertainment landscape's changing so fast that I think all of us are just trying to to see how to work in the new with the new sheriffs in town. Right. I feel like also something like this, 10 episodes, I don't know how many you did in total, I think, but uh, you're listed at least as doing one. It's, I guess, a great opportunity to, 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 to jump into directing, which I'm assuming you've wanted to do for a while and obviously worked alongside some great directors. Yeah, it was a great opportunity. I did three, actually, oh, wow. five, eight, and 10. Um, it was a great opportunity, and I, I, I leapt at it, and especially having watched and stood next to Pablo and Claudia as they had just done it on episodes one through four. And the way the schedule was structured, it was impossible for any one person to do all of the episodes. So when Pablo finished episode two, Claudia stepped in and did episode three and four, and then I did episode um, five, and then Cla Pablo came back and did six and seven, then I did eight. So there was this like kind of handing off of the baton, if you will. Yeah, and logistically, I think that's probably just the way television needs to go, right? I mean, these are big, these are not easy tasks. Yeah, I mean, I think you could, you could, it would be humanly possible to do them all, but it would take much more time because you can't overlap the schedules, right. which we were able to do. So it would have taken probably another four months of shooting if one person had done all of them. You, you know, you, you, you really show, you know, there's obviously a lot of geopolitical intrigue here and you're showing the perspectives of people like, you know, um, the woman who was kidnapped and then the kidnappers themselves. Um, again, you know, um, in terms of that moral ethical thing, is that important for you to just try to show, like, you know, I think what's interesting about this is that you're not shying away from like, look, the American power is is powerful and, and that's just how it is and unfortunately but you're still providing you know the other side some perspective yeah and there are consequences to that power and there and and there are um and and people pay the price for it all over the world yeah that was that that's one of the and again i don't some more of that comes like the deeper and you get into the season but i'm sure you saw some of it but but i think that uh you know there's um, in in that way, it's like the story is some is some kind of reflection on on history, even though it's a fictional story. Right, right. Um, I'm just curious if to just to ask about you know over the years, you know we we do a lot of reporting and, and we've covered a lot of things that you know films happen and sometimes they don't and things. But I'm just wondering if if there's any you know there was that Bowie Bergdahl thing there was I, I think another project with Catherine Bigelow is are some of these things do they just take time are they still on the the docket for one day or you know I think there was a GameStop movie announced at one point like are, are these things that you're still looking at to doing uh, to do at some point uh not the GameStop thing 
the Bo Bergdahl turned into Serial season two, the podcast. So I, oh. I produced that with uh, with the Serial team, the team that made season one of Serial, and that's really where that story ended up taking shape in a podcast instead of in a in a movie. So you know, sometimes you start on a topic or a story, and then you don't really know how it's going to finally take shape. That's just part of the process of discovery of what the marketplace is willing to bear and also what creatively is possible with the material that you pull together. Right. So do you know what you're doing uh, next after this? Or do you, are you going to, are you going to try and to, I mean, obviously this is a big deal and this is taking a lot of, of your life. I'm sure 10 episodes, is yeah. no joke, but like, are, are you looking towards like a, a directing career or, or a writing directing career going forward beyond this? Yeah, I'm going to keep doing, I'm going to keep writing and directing and uh, I'm, I'm putting together a, um, uh, a feature right now that's um, kind of a relationship drama. And, um, and then we'll see what happens after that. I'm going to spring something on you uh, a little last minute. You know, you can, you can answer it how you want to. But, you know, I'm a journalist too. And, and one of the things I've heard, and I was actually confirmed from an, another filmmaker, is a lot of people were meeting with uh, Christopher Steele back in, uh, you know, the dossier days. And, and, and uh, someone told me that your name came up in that. Um, I heard a bunch of other screenwriters and I'm wondering if, uh, I don't know, you got any there there. <laughs> it's an interesting concept, just the idea that, you know, someone like you meeting with him and, and, and you know, who knows? Who knows? I might have been the first person to meet with him. But I, um, you know, I, I, when I was developing, uh, I was developing a show for Showtime uh, or a show that I sold to Showtime actually called Intelligence, which was about the 2016 election. And... Um, than Russian interference in that. And I met with a lot of people in the intelligence world in the United States, but also in the Ukraine and uh, in the United Kingdom and some other places. Hopefully that piece will see the light of day one time because um, it was a pretty cool script. And um, I think the story is still relevant. Well, a guy just announced uh, his running uh, the other day, so it sort of resurfaces all this, right? <laughs> I heard that, yeah. I know, it's amazing. Well, uh, that does sound really fantastic. Um, I do hope that comes to bear fruit one day, and uh, I can't wait to get the rest of uh, Echo 3 because I'm loving it so far. Thank you so much. Appreciate you saying Take that. Take care.